Today, as we continue our series in the Gospel of Mark, we come to a sermon that is really very, very difficult to preach on. Now, it is not hard for us to understand. The meaning is very clear. But it is hard because for many of us, it creates very, very painful memories. I'm talking about the subject of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And for some of us here today, we have gone through the devastating pain of divorce. And the wounds may very much continue to be very raw. For others of us, we have seen friends and family members go through it. So we have witnessed the hurt, the rejection, and the turmoil that it has created. So as I come to this subject today in God's Word, I know that it exposes tender, very grievous, and hurting feelings. And there are two things that I want to say right up front. Number one, regardless of the circumstances of your divorce, God loves you, and he wants to encourage you, and he wants to heal your heart. No matter how the circumstances came about, God very much forgives you, and he wants whatever marriage you are currently in to be a healthy and a satisfying marriage. If you are a single parent here today, it is very important that you also hear me say this, that God can work through you to bless your children in an incredible way, regardless of the loss of your spouse. And I want you to hear that very, very strongly this morning. But there's a second thing that I want to say this morning as we come to this subject, and that is that God wants strong, satisfying, and stable marriages. The divorce rate in our country recently has been declining, and we can be very encouraged by that. But despite that fact, there is no question that no-fault divorce has had devastating consequences in our country. Entering into marriage and staying married has become less important in our world. And many of our major problems can be traced to the root of family breakdown. When I was a boy, a teenager, I went off to college in Chicago and I became involved in the Chicago Big Brothers program. My little brother was Ron L. Wright, who lived in the inner city. He eventually ended up in prison. And the main reason why he ended up in prison is he never had a father. In fact, for the three years that I was his big brother, there was a string of men in and out of his mother's home. And that's why Ron L., despite my best efforts ended up in prison. And there's no doubt without any question whatsoever 
that children raised by both biological parents have many advantages and they have less problems. And so God has given us some very clear guidelines to make marriages strong and to make them stable. And this morning, we are looking together as we continue in the Gospel of Mark at this message entitled, God's Plan for Marriage. Now, as we move into Mark chapter 10, it might seem to us that we are moving away from our theme, living in the shadow of the cross. But actually, the theme of discipleship continues in chapter 10. And it's very interesting that the first thing that arises in chapter 10 has to do with marriage and children. Now what this tells us then is that following Jesus in the way of the cross has at its core our relationships in marriage and with our children. When I was in seminary, I had the privilege of teaching a couple of courses at a small Bible institute called Southern Bible Institute. I still have the catalog from that Bible institute. And uh, it was an institute that ministered to African Americans. So they would work during the day and take classes at night at Southern Bible Institute. They were precious people. I loved those people. There was one student who was a a new Christian. He was um, active in his church. He was uh, already preaching too soon. One of the problems in the black church is they get fellas preaching before they even know the ABCs themselves. And he felt called to the ministry. So he was working during the day, studying classes uh, at night, active in his church, and planning to be a pastor. For his wife, who was new to all of this, all of these dramatic changes were just overwhelming, and she began to pull back from him. Do you know what one of the church members said in his church? Actually said this to him. Don't worry about her. God has called you not her. Now, I was in my 20s. I didn't have a girlfriend. I knew nothing about marriage. But I knew that was about the worst advice that I had ever heard. When you become a Christian, your marriage does not become less important, but more important. And God does not call you away from your spouse to follow him. He calls you to your spouse. And our first and greatest and most primary ministry is not to others, but it is to our marriage partner and our children. And we cannot be healthy Christ followers apart from how we relate in marriage and family. 
Now in this text that we are going to look at today, Jesus is confronted with the question of divorce. And in the dialogue with the Pharisees, three questions emerge. What about divorce? What about marriage? And what about remarriage? And as Jesus deals with each question, he explains a different law. For the first question, he explains the law of Moses. For the second question, he explains creation law. And for the third question, he explains his own law. And over the next three weeks, we're going to look at each of these questions. So we will look at the first one today. What about divorce? Let's take a moment, shall we, and let's pray. Father, come to us where we need you today. Hold up the high and lofty standard of your view of marriage. Help us to see what is best for our marriages, for our families, for our children, for our church, our community, our very nation. But then, Lord, minister. Minister your tender love, your encouragement, your forgiveness, your hope to those who have experienced far less than the ideal. And we ask as we work through these verses in the next few weeks that you might have something for all of us, that our hearts might be united to your heart as you call us to follow you. For Jesus' sake, amen. Open your Bibles with me to Mark 10 this morning. And we begin with this first question, what about divorce? And I want you to look with me at verses 1 and 2 and notice this episode in the life of Jesus. The Bible says, and he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And crowds gathered to him again, and again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now we can see right off the bat that the Pharisees were not really interested in a answer. The Bible says they were testing Jesus. They were trying to trap him. And they had two sinister motives that were going on in asking this question. Number one, they wanted to pit Jesus against the followers that he had because no-fault divorce was the rule of the day. Easy divorce was widespread amongst the Jews, and Jesus had already spoken against it. And so the Pharisees, the scribes, the chief priests... They wanted to keep no-fault divorce as the rule of the day. They knew that Jesus had a much stricter view, and they were hoping that if he spoke to that view, that his followers would say, whoa, this is way too much, and begin to withdraw from him. A second sinister motive was to get Jesus in trouble with Herod Antipas. 
If we look at the map as we have been following Jesus' last journey to Jerusalem, what we will notice is when Jesus moved over on the eastern side of the Jordan River into Perea, that that was the territory ruled by Herod Antipas. Now you may remember what happened with Herod. He had divorced his wife, and he had married Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and she had divorced her husband Philip in order to marry Herod. John the Baptist had said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias, as you know, held a grudge against John the Baptist. Finally, one day, he tricked her into murdering John, And John was beheaded for calling out Herod Antipas. And it is very clear that the Pharisees wait until Jesus is into Herod's territory to ask him this question, hoping that he will stir up Herod as well, be arrested, and suffer the same fate. You know what they should have known about Jesus? He was not afraid of anyone, was he? And he was going to speak the truth. And so notice his answer starting in verse 3. He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart... He wrote you this commandment. Now, as often, Jesus would counter a question with another question to force them to answer. And they answered by referring to Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 to 4. Uh, Verse 4 here in Mark is a loose paraphrase of that passage. That is the only text in the Old Testament that gives procedures for divorce. And I want you to turn back with me in your Bibles. It's the fifth book in the Old Testament. Find Deuteronomy 24. And let's read the only passage in the Old Testament that gives to us procedures for divorce. Listen to what Moses wrote. Verse 1. When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, and she departs out of his house, and if she goes and becomes another man's wife, and the latter man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, or if the latter man dies who took her to be his wife, then her former husband who sent her away may not take her again to be his wife after she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord. And you shall not bring sin upon the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. Now, in Jesus' day, there were two schools of thought on this passage. Uh, The key, by the way, is the expression, some indecency in her. And there were two schools of thought about that phrase that is found in verse 1. 
There was a rabbi by the name of Shammai, and he said what this refers to is something morally indecent, in particular adultery. So the only grounds for divorce, he said, was adultery. But there was another rabbi by the name of Hillel, and you know what he said? He said this meant anything about which the husband might find something in his wife not to his liking. So said Rabbi Hillel, basically, the husband could use any excuse that he wanted to divorce his wife. And by the way, there was a double standard. For most of Jewish history, only a man could divorce his wife. A woman could not. And so said the rabbis. You could divorce your wife if she spoiled your dinner. If she criticized your in-laws. Or even if you found a prettier woman. Now let me ask you, sinful human nature being what it is, which view do you think won out? The strict view or the lax view? Of course, you know it was a lax view. And in Jesus' day, men were divorcing their wives for every reason imaginable, just like we have today. And Jesus had two very important answers to give to the Pharisees. And here's the first one. Mosaic law regulated divorce It never encouraged it. Did you notice back in Mark chapter 10 and verse 3 that Jesus asked this question, What did Moses command you? How many of you saw in Deuteronomy 24 any command to divorce? There is none there. So the Pharisees respond here in verse 4, and they say, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce. You know what that's telling us? Deuteronomy 24 was a text of concession, not a text of intention. It was never God's will for divorce to occur. But because men were doing it anyway, God gave legislation to control it and to limit it. He said there must be a legal bill of divorcement that would discourage hasty divorce. And he said the first husband could not take her back If she was married elsewhere, that was for her protection and to keep adultery from multiplying. You see, it was common in the ancient Near East with Israel's neighboring um, uh, states that what they would do is they would marry their wives back and forth, multiplying adultery. And illegitimate divorce does that. It proliferates adultery. And God was saying to his people, that is an abomination to me. And so the passage does not command, commend, condone, or even suggest divorce. But here's what happened. 
By Jesus' day, the Pharisees had so twisted Deuteronomy 24 that all they were emphasizing was the legal aspect. They said, the reason doesn't matter. Just make it legal. Make sure the paperwork is done. That's the situation in Jesus' day. Now notice his second answer. Jesus' second answer as he deals with this is divorce is always caused by human hardness. Go back to verse 5 and look at chapter 10 of verse 5. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment. This is a very interesting expression in the Bible. It is used of a person hardening their heart against God. It is the very expression that is used of Pharaoh when the Lord said to him, Let my people go, and if you don't, these are the plagues that I'm going to bring. And Pharaoh hardened his heart against God. It is the very same expression. And what Jesus is saying to us is every time a divorce occurs, someone has hardened themselves against God and against their mate. In the church that I grew up in, uh, there was a a very dear lady, and, and we got to be very close to her and her family. In fact, her youngest son was a very, very good friend of mine. Her husband began to commit adultery against her. He left her and finally filed for divorce. On the day that the divorce was to be finalized, she stood before the judge and she said to him, Judge, I don't want this divorce. Isn't there anything that I can do? And the judge said to her, I'm sorry, you have no choice. And due to the hardness of her husband's heart, that marriage and that family was torn apart. The children ended up taking sides. And the last I knew, the older son was so bitter at his mother and his younger brother that he wasn't even speaking to them. And today, some of us know exactly how she felt because we have experienced the same hardness in what happened to us. Now the question that comes up here is this. If divorce is never God's perfect plan, if it is always out of His will and is always the result of human hardness, then if there were times in the Old Testament that God permitted it, when is it permissible today? And the best that I understand the Bible... I would like to attempt to give an answer to that this morning. 
And so as we move from the question, what about divorce and Jesus' understanding and explanation of it, let's move to this question, when is divorce permissible? And let me give to you a, a few answers that I, I believe come from the study of God's word. Number one, divorce is permissible when there has been adultery. In Matthew 19.9 and in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave one exception to the no divorce procedure, and that is, he said, except for marital unfaithfulness. And he gave adultery as a grounds for divorce. Now let me just say this as we talk about this for just a moment. Adultery is a forgivable offense. It can be forgiven. It has been forgiven. And sometimes the very first option ought to be forgiveness and saving the marriage. When a partner is truly repentant, as hard as it is, Many, many people have found the best option is to forgive that adulterous partner and to maintain the marriage. And many people who have gone through this have found that God has blessed them on the other end and the benefits of their marriage being kept together have far outweighed what a divorce would have led to. And so that ought to be the first option. But where adultery is persistent, where it is unrepentant, where in the case of this family, this man had set his course and he was not turning back, divorce is permissible. Here's a second thing that I believe comes out of the Bible. I believe divorce is permissible when there has been abandonment. Later on, we will look at 1 Corinthians 7.15 in regard to this. But in that passage, the Apostle Paul says that if an unbeliever separates from a Christian, that divorce is permissible. And the Christian should not worry about that because God has called us to peace and therefore the divorce is something that they should allow. I remember a, a, a man who um, I worked for when I was 18 years of age. I got a job at the bank in the uh, maintenance department and this man that I worked for, his wife had took off and left him with the kids. And I remember one day as I was working for him, we, we stopped by the house and the babysitter was there taking care of the kids. And he said to me, my wife just took off, abandoned me and the children. And he actually said to me, he was not a believer, he said, if it wasn't for the bottle, I don't know how I would have gotten through this. But he was doing the very best that he could to raise those kids now that his wife had abandoned him. And sometimes in those situations, I believe divorce may be necessary. 
sometimes for child support, the abandoning spouse needs to be held accountable. And sometimes the only way they can be held accountable is through divorce. And I believe the Bible permits that. Thirdly, I believe that divorce is permissible when there is physical abuse. Now, I do not have a particular scripture on this other than the fact that God does not approve of violence. And sometimes God has to permit something that he doesn't approve of because there is even something greater that he doesn't approve of. And no one should ever be expected to live under the threat of abuse or have to live for fear for their safety. And sometimes, though God opposes divorce, he will permit it because he opposes even something greater, and that is living in fear of violence. I was an elder in a small Texas church when I was in seminary. We had a woman in our church who had three children. She was married to a man who was a sociopath. One day at the Galleria Mall, he held their baby out over the edge of the balcony to terrify his wife and to seek to control her. And it seemed the only way for her to protect herself and her three children was to divorce. On the day that her divorce was finalized in the county courthouse in downtown Dallas, the elders gathered to support her. I was there as one of those elders. And it seemed the only option, because of the sociopathic, violent nature of her husband. And so I believe, as we look at this very, very difficult issue, trying to understand why God hates divorce, but at the same time also permits it when those times are necessary. As I was studying for this message, I I came across some very helpful words from Joe Stoll, who happens to be the president of Cornerstone University. Many years ago, he wrote an article in Moody Magazine called The Divorce Dilemma. And he said, as we look at this issue, he said, we find that really the only solution for us, and by the way, somebody asked him, how does the church in America deal with divorce and remarriage? And you know what his answer was? Not very well. Not very well. But this is what he said. We can find solution only in an uncompromised combination of that divine blend of grace and truth. 
Here's what he said about truth. Truth demands that the biblical teaching about marriage and divorce must never be lost or weakened. Family is God's first and foremost institution. It is true that God hates divorce and that the Bible emphasizes that marriage is an indissoluble contract between two people and a sacred commitment sanctioned by God and sealed by vows spoken in His name. And we must never compromise that truth. But the second area is grace. And listen to what Dr. Stoll says about this. Grace demands that we apply biblical requirements with tender compassion. Grace seeks to help. Grace is remedial. Grace finds godly, gifted people in the church to stand beside the victims of divorce, including the children. Grace recognizes that some who have experienced the wrenching trauma of divorce still have a heart for God and a desire to grow in Him. And may God always help us, always help us, to find that proper balance between truth and grace. Let's bow our hearts and our heads together.